everyone. Welcome back to the It's a Mind Game podcast. I'm so excited to have our super friend Elise back here with us. You might also know her as Your Period PT on Instagram. And we're going to talk about a bit more of a sensitive topic today. And it's one that hasn't personally touched me throughout my HA journey, but I know it's something that comes up for other people. And that is the idea around people commenting on the HA recovery protocol. So with that in mind, welcome, Elise. Thank you. And for anyone watching on YouTube, I apologize for taking a drink of water. I totally forgot that this gets recorded <laughs> and is a podcast and is a video. No, hydration is key. Don't be sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but super important topic today. And this topic actually come to surface when we finished our last podcast because we have a habit of chewing each other's ear off for another hour once we finish recording. And um, this topic presented itself. And I'm, I'm so glad that it did, because like I said, it's, it's not something that I firsthand experience. So it's, um, you know, it's easy for me to give hypotheticals of how I'd handle the situation, but it's very different to have actually experienced it. So do you want to maybe give us a bit of context about where you're at with your HA recovery and, and what happened? And then we can sort of just go with the flow. Yeah, so I'll kind of paint the picture of where I was at. So I was about four months all in and I was also probably about four days away from my third recovery period. So I was pretty much at the finish line um, when someone really close to me questioned not only the recovery process, but my weight gain. And it was a process that I had to go through. I definitely believe that I had to go through this, um, as weird as that may sound, uh, even though it was heartbreaking at the time. Sorry for anyone watching. My kitten has just come to say hello. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I had to go through it so that I could learn how to set some really hard boundaries for myself. I guess initial emotions when that's told because I if I put myself in your shoes or in anyone's shoes who's experienced that no matter how much faith I have in the process and obviously you had two periods already like you know eating more resting weight gain they're they're pinnacles like it it has to happen they're so important and then you've got the the mental clarity that comes with it and overcoming those hurdles but then to have someone especially as you said like you're nearly at that third one so while you haven't learned everything you need to at that point in time you're still feeling pretty good about it like hey I've gotten two I'm going to get my third um this process is challenging but I'm committed because it's working um I just emotionally I feel like because it's still such a early days training wheels situation of these new thoughts and behaviors that just someone to be judgmental really um no matter how much confidence I have in the process and in my body and and what's happening someone commenting close or stranger would really make me question what I'm doing even though everything suggests that it's working it's like oh wait but they think it's wrong yeah I was heartbroken to say the least. Um, it definitely threw me through a complete loop because I just didn't expect it to happen. You know, like I'd gotten comments about my weight loss and now here I am on the other end of the spectrum getting comments about my weight gain. Like I didn't know that I was gaining weight. Um, that I think kind of hurt the most is because I was so aware of what was going on in my body, but I was trying to work through that. And when someone else makes it known to you, that they're noticing these things. Mm. It's just devastating because 
I'm already trying to mentally navigate those emotions and those feelings and feeling uncomfortable in my body. And, you know, I'm, I'll be completely honest. I, I still remember that evening making my dinner and just sitting there and not feeling happy. sorry about that. Um, that was that the okay? kitten. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. Um, cats always land on their feet. Oh, she's um, more worried she got crushed by a book. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> we're all safe here. Yeah, we're all good. Um, yeah, no, so I just... I just felt really crushed and I remember just not physically feeling hungry and just questioning, is it worth it? Like, do I keep going? Like, should I just go back? Like all of that stuff. Cause I was also too at the peak of my weight gain when you're like bloated and you're holding on to mm. so much fluid and your cheeks are just really puffy. Like I look back at photos from that time and like, although my body hasn't changed drastically in terms of the scale, um, how I, how my body is and functioning has changed, um, which has changed my body composition a little bit as well. But looking back at those photos, I just remember like just looking at it and just feeling so uncomfortable. And like I said, when someone else calls it out, it's just, it's a hundred times worse than mm -hmm. what you're saying in your own head. Cause it's not like you're not aware of it. Yeah. I've got two, two questions and also I guess comments as well. So two schools of thought is that for one, I remember a big part of the process for me was announcing it to everybody and just being like, hey, I'm deliberately gaining weight, like just so you know. And sometimes I have a bit of a giggle about it because for the most part, people didn't care. But for me, it gave me a sense of ownership because it's like what scared me most about weight gain was people assuming that I'd given up on myself when really I'm actually caring more about myself than I ever have in my life. And I'm going to announce to you, hey, I'm trying to get my period back. I'm deliberately gaining weight because it actually hurts my feelings to think that you think I'm letting go. When, as I said, like this, this is the most intense and best thing I've ever done for myself. And I just, I can't stand the idea of you thinking otherwise, because this is really hard. Like this is really, really hard. Um, and then the other side of things that I sort of jumped to, and I'm not sure I would go to this in the moment. This is definitely a, a hindsight perspective. And that would be, for the most part, people don't know what HA is. They don't know about periods. Like even people who've never had HA, women for that matter, don't know much about their period other than that it arrives and it goes and, you know, very basic. And for someone to comment going, is that really the right protocol for you? as much as it hurts, if you were actually question that person's knowledge, like how much substance is in that claim or that questioning? Like, are they a doctor? Are they a nutritionist? Are they an expert in HA? You know what? Not even an expert. Have you just read No Period Now What or spoken in a HA community? Like, what do you actually know that makes you think that you can deliver this comment and it be helpful? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, 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 I, and I do not mean it in a sassy way at all, but more to the point of if you're if this is happening to you and you're in that emotional state, that can actually be the switch that flicks you to go, oh, I'm not even going to bother because at the core, why would you trust them with your period recovery? And if you can't trust them with it, what merit does the comment have? And again, that's not an in the moment thought. That's just a how to get out of it. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on those? No, and I definitely agree with what you, everything you just said. I had actually said to this person, like, 
you know, it, it got heated. I definitely got defensive. Um, Absolutely. Uh, because yeah, like you think of comments like that and I just imagine if you had literally a raw wound and someone just stuck their finger in it. Yeah, I honestly like felt backed into a corner. It's pain. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I felt felt backed into a corner and I guess my go-to was, and I think a lot of people would be to defend themselves. Um, and especially because I knew wholeheartedly in myself that I was doing this for me and everyone else around me, you know, was supporting me and was not to say that this person wasn't, they definitely were, but at the same time, it's hard for people that haven't gone through HA recovery to truly understand it. Um, And that's not making an excuse for them or anything, but it's just getting some perspective because Mm. you can't expect someone to sympathize or be empathetic with you if they truly don't understand what's going on. Um, But I'd actually said to I'd actually said to this person, um, you know, when you have a doctor's degree on your wall, then you can make a comment about my health. You know, Hmm. I actually said that because it was, it was kind of a in the moment thing where I was like, hold on a second, like what gives you the right to, you know, question it for sure, but to tell me to do all these other things, like Mm. tell me to cut my calories, tell me to introduce exercise, um, you know, everything that's essentially a diet, like it's a definition of a diet, right when I'm at the finish line. um, (laughs) My cat. (laughs) Sorry, my eyes can go into her because she's really cute. No, it's totally fine. Um, No, because that's the thing, isn't it? It's let's switch perspectives, the person who said this. And you know what? I... Let's say that they were giving this feedback because it was coming from a place of love and care. And uh, they said they, that there they was. actually thought that they were helping. And if you shift perspectives and go, okay, so we've got someone who actually doesn't know anything about periods. So instantly they're on a back foot. They've been brought up in a society as we have, where the smaller you are, the better life is, the healthier you are. So they're seeing you gain weight. And because all they know is less is best, they're just going, oh, we just want good for you. Like, are you sure you want to go this direction? Because everyone everyone wants to be smaller. Like, you you know, and, and I'm not saying this is right by any means, but I guess in order to take some of the emotion out of comments like that is understanding where it's been grown from. And just like our disorders were fed from diet culture and this idea that, you know, the smaller you are, the better things are, you know, it's, a, it's just a lie we've all been fed. And I wonder, you know, with this person or anyone who's experiencing it, it's like if you actually sat with this person and had like a one or two hour chat just about health, nutrition, food, weight, all those sorts of things, do they actually believe what they said? Or is it just they're so used to hearing those sorts of claims and sentences that it just rolls off their back? Like, yes. don't you want to be on a diet? But don't you want to be training? And they actually don't even mean what they say. It's just I, they it's want to contribute to conversation automatic. and it's automatic. And it's a, it's a very conflicting thing that you, you experience, no doubt about it. But I think that's what makes it so complicated is because you've got a lack of education. You've got, like for yourself, raw emotion going on. And literally the HA process is going against the grain. 
And as we know how difficult that is to go against the grain, people watching without awareness have just, they're oblivious to it. They just don't understand. Yes, definitely. I'm really glad you said HA recovery is going against the grain because it's going against every fiber in your body. It's going against everything you've ever been taught. Like you said, we've grown up in a society that's like, eat less, exercise more. And in HA recovery, you're literally doing the opposite. So you do have, like I did hold after the fact, not during the the initial uh, conversation, but after the fact, I did hold, you know, some empathy for this person because they, they, they've been brought up in the same society that I've been brought up. You know, they've been conditioned to think what I had thought. And I do think in hindsight, it's been a really, it was a really shitty experience, but it's definitely allowed us both to grow as individuals um, and change our perspective and our mindset towards what being healthy is. So even though it was a really difficult thing for me to go through at the time, like I said before, I do feel like it's done the world of good for myself and the relationship I have with this other person. Um, you know, I had to set some really hard boundaries that, like I said, they were really hard. It was really hard to do. Um, it was difficult to do because these comments have made you question what you're doing. It's made you question your body, uh, what's happening. It's made you question your belief system. And I mean, you're already questioning your belief system that you've had for, you know, I had it for close to a decade. So it's just, it was a really, really confusing time. And I remember sitting there thinking this could be enough to send me in a spiral, but I'm not going to let it. I'm so close. I've not come this far now to let someone's unsolicited advice, unsolicited comment cause me to turn back around again. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I had a choice in that moment. I had a choice to run in the back back to where I came from, (laughs) like literally go out and run. Um, Or I could dig my heels in. And I chose to dig my heels in because I knew what I was doing was for my own benefit, my own health, uh, for my future, for everything. And, you know, if this person couldn't get on board with that and ride it out with me, then they're not the kind of person I need to have in my life. And I feel like the way you explain that goes to show how much more substance there is to that experience than even what we've dived into so far because if you think about when you're training and dieting and all that sort of thing it is it is enjoyable to be the person people look up to for health advice and you're the fit girl and you're so healthy and you know I wish I had that determination and motivation all that sort of thing right so that really feeds our people pleasing qualities because it's like oh they're so happy with me that I'm doing these things and I'm happy with me and then I'm also encouraging them And that feels really good. And what you just described as well is, you know, you've had someone come to you and say, I don't think I approve of this, which makes your people pleasing alarm bells ring so loud. It's like, but what do you mean? You have to approve it. And I guess that's one of the hidden lessons in HA recovery is it's very hard to get through HA if you're still a people pleaser. And I, I don't mean that to the full respect. Like I, I still love making people happy. Elise still loves making people happy. But there is a very big difference between setting boundaries, as you've mentioned, 
and pleasing people and just running yourself into the ground in order to please people. And you having that strength to turn around and go, no, I'm putting my health first. I'm not worrying about your comment meant that you could continue on the path that you were. And if you hadn't strengthened that muscle of being able to stand up for yourself and go, no, this is about me and not anybody else, like highly likely you would have relapsed. And that's why so many people do it. Someone comments and it's like, oh my gosh, they're not happy with me. I can't handle it. And honestly, if you are in that boat, some some self-work needs to be done because you need to learn what keeps you healthy and what keeps you well and lets you enjoy life. And then everyone else can join in. Like the, the two do coexist. But if one negative comment rattles you, like that's, that's a really good thing to lean into and learn more about because that took strength what you did. And um, yeah, especially when, sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm just going to start waffling too much. Um, but just that, that people pleasing quality, it's like you've part of the emotion attached to it because you're already proud of yourself. You've got two periods. You're happy. Like, yeah. hey, I've got a puffy face and I've gained weight, but I got two periods. Like, this is awesome. And then just that one comment of, hmm, you sure? Like, take away the education and the insight and all of that. The upset comes from the fact that someone's not happy with you or doesn't approve. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it was, it was a really, like, I, I sit here and say, like, oh, I dug my heels in, but, like, it wasn't. It wasn't easy, you know, but HA recovery is so much more than the physical recovery. Like there's so much psychological work that goes into it. I know we talk about this all the time, but I think, you know, the majority of HA recovery is psychological and it's going through things like this that, you know, you, I dreaded, I dreaded someone commenting on my body and mm-hmm. the like, I did the same thing you did, like, I made it very clear to everyone that was in my life that I'm deliberately gaining weight. You know, like you don't need need to tell me that I look different or I've gained weight because I'm very much aware and it's deliberate. And like, you know, I remember wanting to just like, I remember having a conversation within the HA society and just like saying, I just want to wear a sign around my neck that says I used to have, yeah, I used to have the quote unquote, uh, perfect body deemed by like this, this mm. body deemed by society is you know acceptable but I've given that up to work on my physical mental and emotional health you know like I just wish I could have worn a sign but that still doesn't stop people from commenting on it so you need to kind of have these tools ready to be able to either educate them put them back in their place because they have no right to comment on your body, weight loss, weight gain, whatever it is that's changed. No one has a right to comment on it. And, you know, it's, again, it comes down to that whole society that we live in and it makes a society that we live in has made it seem like it's okay for people to comment on people's bodies. Mm. And like, it took a really long time for me to break down the link between my body and my worth and getting comments like the ones that I received made that even harder to separate the two. Yeah. I remember teaching myself. I I can't remember what the book it was. I think it was um, the courage to be disliked. It's quite an old book. Um, And I, I think it was written by a psychologist. Anyway, there was a few things that 
I really resonated with and then other things, I don't know, they were a bit far-fetched, but I remember there was one chapter in there that was like your responsibilities versus other people's responsibilities. And I guess it links into the people-pleasing side of things. And what it suggested is that my thoughts are, sorry, no one else's thoughts are my responsibility. Like it's my responsibility to care for my thoughts and it's someone else's responsibility to care for theirs. And honestly, in the book, it's said so much more elegantly. And I don't know why I can't think of the way it's perfectly said, but it rolls off the tongue normally. But at its core is that it's not up to me to worry about how other people perceive me. All I can do is be kind and do my best and be my healthiest and have confidence in I'm making the best decisions for me. And people will assume whatever they want. They will think whatever they want. And that is their business. Like it has got nothing to do with me if I'm putting my best feet forward. And if my best foot forward is gaining weight, then again, whatever anyone else thinks of that doesn't matter. And I just remember hearing that at the right moment and just feeling a sense of ownership. And um, I think it also linked into something like Oh, maybe like early Mondays or something like that, where I didn't understand someone's choice. Um, oh, that's what it was. We we did the first six weeks with Kasima. Um, we wanted, though the whooping cough vaccine, vaccine, they get very funny about it. And um, they sort of just encourage that if people want to visit regularly, that they have their whooping cough vaccine. And they, they put some good points forward and that was a protocol my mum and dad followed and it just felt appropriate. So the first time visit, was okay like got it or not it's okay it's only a one-off it's fine but after that if you're coming over to the house a lot we'd much rather you you have the vaccine and most people had it no worries and then uh, there was one or two close to me that um just said oh we'll wait six weeks and I remember being really upset like what do you mean you wait six weeks don't you want to see this baby and da 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 and then that's you know what that's when I would have heard the book and the book was like it's not your responsibility to care like they've made the decision and they're happy with it. It's got nothing to do with you. And, and it didn't. Like I took it so personally. And then once I heard that, I was like, oh, why, why should I make them do something if they don't want to do it? Like they've got choice. If they want to wait six weeks to visit, well, they're not hurting anybody. Like I'm, I'm not getting hurt by it. My child's not getting hurt by it. They're not getting hurt by it. And I just remember thinking about that book and I'm like, oh, why am I taking responsibility for their choice or their opinion? Like, I don't understand. And, it, and you can link it back into weight gain and things like that, because it's like if someone, regardless of HA recovery, people will look and make a judgment. Like we're judgy creatures, whether we put a lid on it or we don't, for the most part, we see things and I guess we observe we observe everything. And part of that is attaching a label to it. But the thing is, it's only got merit if we allow it to have it, you know, like you can only let in the comments if you want to, which is a perfect example of sort of what you went through, which is this opinion presented itself. And at the start, you thought about it. You're like, wow, am I doing the right thing? Like, is this happening? Should I do it? And then you've done a reassessment and gone, oh, no, this is got no, like, this is not my problem. This is their problem. I'm going to keep taking my path. I feel like I just rambled for God knows how long then. But do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm like the taking responsibility of thoughts. And it's like, it's actually no one's business 
but their own about as to what they're thinking. Exactly. And, you know, there's the saying goes, the saying goes like, you're not going to please everyone. Mm. And you don't want to spread yourself so thin trying to please everyone that you're unhappy. And that's what I'd been doing. And, you know, HA recovery really is a time where you can solely focus on yourself and on your health. And sometimes you have to block out other people's opinions, whether it's a stranger or it's someone really, really close to you, because you have to weed through the comments and the opinions and you, you got to let go of the stuff that isn't serving you. And none of that, none of that conversation that I had with this person was going to serve. Well, I guess it did serve me in a way because it, like I said, but it just not me, directly. Yeah, not directly. And in the moment it was very like blindsided kind of caught me off guard, like we mentioned, but, you know, I just had to really remind it, you know, it sounds really cliche and we always say it, but I had to go back to my whys And why was I doing this? Was I doing this to get approval from other people? Or was I finally going to get that self-acceptance that I'd been longing for since I was a teenager? Mm -hmm. And it was the latter, like it was for me. And I had to keep moving forward. I couldn't, I couldn't stay stuck in that position for too long because body again you know optimizing my cycles and I was excited you know like I was you could you could see the finish line um and yeah so I just had to really come back to me and what do I want and where do I want to go what do I want out of life is this serving me yes or no if it's no get rid of it shut it down and that's what I said I I said to this person you know like till you have a doctor's degree, don't be coming out here commenting on my period or my body or my health, you know, like I'm the one who's actually studying a health degree, you know, (laughs) sports science, like the irony in that in itself, (laughs) you're schooling me. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. yes, (laughs) Thanks. Um, But yeah, no, like, and I had to just, like I said, it was a big learning curve for the both of us, but I had to say like, you cannot comment on my body or on this journey unless you walk through it, then I'll take your advice. Um, or I, I at least take it on board and use it if it served me, but you have no idea what you're talking about. So they actually know that you were trying to recover your period when they made that comment or yes, they were very aware. Yeah. So that, cause I find that really interesting too, because you know, it, for the most part, if you share with someone that you haven't had a period for six months, six years, 10 years, they are alarmed. Like from my experience anyway, male or female, if that comes to light, it generally is a, oh, like that's that's bizarre. Like why is that? What's happening? Um, and normally that is what deviates any kind of assumption or suggestion because if they go, oh, like you look different and you go, oh, yeah, I'm trying to get my period back. They go, oh, oh. And it just, it offsets it because it's like, well, that must be the prescription that, that, that makes sense. Um but I guess linking back into the the people pleasing side of things because I feel like there's just so much in this experience that you had is that if you were to so you've gone through this you've had to think about what you want why you want it and you've committed to what you want because at the end of the day fast forward a year because you've been recovered for like twelve months now yeah Woo-hoo. um how happy has that commitment made you right versus let's pretend. You heard this comment, you buckled at your knees, 
you've gone back running, dieting, training like crazy. You had two periods. You've now missed 10. What does life look like? Miserable. You know, like I'd be trying to kid myself if I look back to my pre-HA days and saying that I was full of life and so happy. Like I wasn't, like life wasn't terrible by any means, but now that I know what recovery looks like and how fulfilled my life is right now and just how happy I am in who I am as a human being, what my body looks like, all that sort of stuff. Like if I had, if I compare what my life is like now to what my life is like pre-HA, I was miserable Mm. um, by, by comparison, you know, and I just, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't imagine if I'd gone back in the other direction, I'd be missing out on so much, you know, and I wouldn't have learned so much about myself. I wouldn't have learned how strong and resilient I can be physically and mentally. Mm. Um, And I think that was a really big turning point for me because when other things have come up in my life, you know, un-HA related, like different stresses and things like that, old me would have been like just riddled with anxiety and, you know, trying to get everything done perfectly um whereas because of HA recovery and all the things I went through including that experience I can kind of weed through what's important what needs to get done right now and I can minimize my stress because I know I'm going to get done what needs to get done like I know I have that strength and that determination and resilience because recovery showed me that mm-hmm. you know like a lot of people go into HA recovery being like oh you know I'm I was praised for being the motivated, disciplined, determined person. You're still all of those things. You just got to apply. Yeah. It's so much harder to be that when no one's cheering you for it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like you lose weight and be like, yeah, that's awesome. You competed. You've got the six pack. Like it's, it's a cheer squad. Um, Like even when you see people repeatedly, it's like, oh, you look great. Like I love your outfit. But then HA comments overall just stop. You know, because it's like it's it's not the the diet crazed comment, which you know some part of that makes it difficult. Because I don't know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Is I was never one for attention. Like I, uh, sometimes people actually think I'm rude when I meet them face to face because I get really shy. Like and you wouldn't think that from the podcast, but for some reason there's like this weird loophole where if I'm on a Zoom call, I I feel like I can just relax and and talk really easily. Um, but in social, uh, social environments, I, I don't do well. Um, I get very nervous. I, I panic if I'm being brutally honest. Um, even talking about it, I feel like myself panicking, but I'm, I don't even know what I'm going to say now. Cause I started thinking about it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I yeah. definitely, I definitely wasn't super oh, wait, shy. I remember that's what it was. But when people commented on my body I still shied away from the compliment like I was still like oh no you're just being nice but I did enjoy it like I, I did and I remember people sort of oh I remember questioning it myself like why do you even care about gaining weight it's not like you want attention anyway but there was a part of me that did enjoy those comments and and I actually didn't notice it until I started gaining weight and they disappeared so it wasn't bad. No one, no one judged me for gaining weight. They didn't. Like I, I was very fortunate with that. People were very accepting. Um, but it's funny how you can still grieve something though it hasn't happened. You know what I mean? Like I still grieve that. Oh, like 
that dress looks great. The jeans look great. Because if you have no curves, everything does kind of sit on you. Um, when you've got curves, you've, you, you know, you, you got to find the right brands and all that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all because like boobs and bum are great ladies. Um, but when you're learning that, yeah, it's, it's a difficult. very difficult thing. And sometimes recognizing that you do enjoy attention can make you feel a little bit let down because I so like me personally I don't like to think that and not that there's anything wrong with it but I'm like the stage showy girl or anything like that but then as soon as I realized that I missed attention that was based on appearance I was like I actually didn't know that about me and I found that really confronting because I, I didn't realize that it was so important. Did you like experience things like that? It's like the lack of compliments wasn't a bad thing, but it was still noted. Yeah, I definitely. And I feel like a lot of people going that know you're going through HA recovery probably don't really know what to say. So they probably just feel better not saying anything, um, you know, air on the side of caution, which is sometimes... Yeah. Probably better than opening your mouth, um, (laughs) as I've learned in my experience. But, yeah, no, I definitely, like, I mean, I didn't take compliments very well, let's face it, when I would get them. I didn't like them. I felt so awkward. But when they stopped, I was like, hmm, I kind of like them a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess that kind of, like, comes with something I'm seeing a lot lately. And I'll just mention it, but we won't go down that path because we could be here for ages ages is like the skinny privilege I've seen a lot of that on Instagram and stuff recently and I've like never never noticed it but now that like I think I'm aware of it I feel like I notice it a bit more Skinny privilege as in like people that are naturally smaller frames is that no just like how people are treated when they are in like a socially accepted body oh and they're teeny yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. I feel because I, I know what you're talking about. I can't say it's anything that I've really experienced firsthand. Like, um, yeah, hard for me to comment. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't had a lot of experience with it, I don't think, but I've just seen it more recently on social media. And it's just made me think a little bit more about, you know, my experiences prior to HA recovery mm. and then post HA recovery. And if there is really any difference, but then it could just be more so the feeling that we get as an individual, having known what our body used to be and what it is now, if that makes sense. Well, I do definitely think that there is some level of ease with having a smaller body and going shopping, which is sort of what I mentioned earlier. And not saying I have bad shopping experiences now, but I just found that when I had no curves, a lot of clothes are made for no curves. And I guess that makes sense though, because if you're a manufacturer trying to manufacture fitted dresses for people with all different kind of size busts and bums and thighs and tummies, it would be impossible. So maybe it's like, let's just have a fairly straightforward design because then they can go to the alterations person and get it taken in or let mm. out. And and I, I know quite a few people who do that. They're like, oh no, I always buy like two sizes up and then I take it to get altered. And I'm like, that's so clever. That's like imagine genius. if you if you went into a store and rather than trying to fit in, you're like, no, I'm going to get clothes that are going to serve me and fit me. Like I'm not trying to fit in anything. Like these clothes are trying to fit me. Like that feels really powerful. It's like, no, I love the look of this. If I go one size up, I know they can take it in. And 
to me, it feels like I get the power back so quickly because I'm not trying to fit into denim or something that is just, just so generic when we're so unique and individual. Like exactly. it's quite funny to think that we want to fit in generic sizes when yeah, we're so far from similar. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, ladies, maybe, maybe that is a tip. Buy clothes that are like going to stores being like, no, I'm going to buy a size or two that's too big. I'm going to go get it altered so it fits me perfect. I love that. I wish I'd been given that advice during HA recovery. That would have made things a lot easier. Yeah, I know, right? I haven't been shopping in ages because of lockdowns here, but now that I think about it, I'm like, that's exactly what I'm going to do because I've been wanting to get a new wardrobe for a little while. But it's still a weird thing because, you know, I, I had so many years of a certain physique. And, look, I'm very comfortable in my body. Like, I'm very proud of it, to be honest. But there still is those reflections back to times when numbers of sizes or just the ease of anything fitting that still pop up in my mind. And there's no emotional attachment. It's purely a reflection and then I just move on. Um, but at one point in my HA recovery, and I'm, I'm sure you would have felt the same, that was a crippling moment mm-hmm. of like, oh, my gosh, size up or don't fit at all or blah, 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 blah. I mean, I avoided getting new clothes for as long as I possibly could. If I had to say, like, if I had to choose one regret in HA recovery, it was not buying new clothes sooner and trying to sit in clothes that didn't fit me anymore and just feel, and it just made me feel so much more uncomfortable. And then when I finally bought a new pair of jeans, I was like, why have I waited so long? Like, I know, because you know what? Great. Your body deserves these jeans. Exactly. Like yeah. you deserve to look fabulous in clothes that fit. And that's the thing is, and then I, oh, rabbit hole coming. Right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> when you get stuck in those moments, because I'm sorry, there is a lot of part of HA recovery that is self-sabotage despite trying to improve. And I remember some days I knew I chose clothes that were firm because I almost wanted to hate myself for that day. Mm. it's like you don't fit in these it did not serve me it did not help me and anyone doing that like throw those jeans out the door right now as we talk because I look back and go why did you do that to yourself like why 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 but again it's always part of the lessons but the thing is me sitting in that shameful state for 24 hours because I chose to was just so unnecessary when I because again we've always got the power to choose like choose again choose again every single time if it's not serving you choose again if I had have chosen to just wear the brand new jeans that got altered or whatever it was I would have been able to own that day so much better by just being like oh I'm dressed like it's just that simple I because I don't need to worry about comfort or my tummy feeling different or um, you know something scrunching where it never used to it's like those reminders aren't going to encourage you to keep eating throughout the day. They're not going to encourage you to just chill and watch some Netflix. Like they're going to make you want to go on a diet or train. So yeah. why put that trigger in front of you? I totally agree. Like you've just touched on such an important point when it comes to HR recovery because clothes are sort of one of the hardest parts. Like I know a lot of people and myself included had a really hard time or do have a hard time like unattaching ourselves from these clothes. Like I had a pair of jeans that I'd owned for five years, five years. And they'd fit me for five years and they fit me for maybe the first six weeks of recovery, but I still forced myself into them for another two weeks. And I was like, 
finally bought new jeans. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, why was I trying to hold on to these jeans that I've had for five years? You know, it wasn't until I had a conversation with um, my, one of my really good friends from high school. I have this dress that I was planning on wearing for an event. And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm going to wear this dress. Like it's, it's my graduation dress. So I've had it since I was 18. And you know, then I went through HR recovery and I tried it on and it was a lot more snug than I remember it being at the start of recovery. And I remember having this conversation with my friend from high school and she's like, my grad job, my grad dress doesn't fit me anymore. And that's when I went like, oh, like my body, like I shouldn't still fit into a dress that I wore eight years ago. Like our bodies, and this is something that I'm really starting to get in touch with at this point in recovery is our bodies aren't static. Mm. You know, they're a dynamic, changing, flowing, living, breathing thing. They're not this static being that doesn't ever change or evolve physically, mentally, and emotionally. And, you know, by keeping my body static and um, not, but yeah, by keeping my body static, I didn't evolve mentally or Mm. emotionally because I was just physically stuck Um, And yeah, just this conversation with one of my friends just really put it into perspective for me when she's like, well, my grad dress doesn't fit. And I was like, oh, it's not a bad thing that it doesn't fit me anymore. You know, and that's where those aha moments are so important, because the thing is someone else experiencing that might not have had the aha moment that you did. Right. Which is why I'm such a massive advocate for the whole mindset side of things, because if you haven't had the aha moment, you just need to keep searching or working with someone who can help you stumble across it. And like, I love how you just said, um, keeping your body static sort of thing. Because if you think about our bodies, like electricity, like we're full of energy and we're just going, 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 right? Electricity is always looking for an escape. It just wants to get out, right? Which is all of our PowerPoints. But if you like stop it in its tracks and keep resisting it, things short circuit, they blow up. Like that's why fuses turn off, like stop fires. And I'm just thinking of this now, but you can kind of relate it to our bodies. It's like they're meant to be going and thriving and changing to suit our environment and our, um, like just everything that's happening physically, emotionally, spiritually. Like it's not just what you'd fill your day with. It's like weeks and months worth. And the other thing I thought about too is because I, I held onto my clothes for ages as well. And I still think back about what what keeps us there? Like what makes us want to hold on to these clothes? And part of me goes, is it because you've lived so many memories that it's like, it's not actually the fact that they're a small size, even though at surface level, it feels that way. It's like, I'm not ready to let go of the body. It's like, but what happens if you're not ready to let go of the memories? Like I held on to a pair of white jeans for quite some time. Um, and honestly, I, I might even still have them, but like, I know I'll never fit back into them again. They're they're quite petite, but I wore them to my hen's party. I wore them to a few of my friends, like bridal showers and things. And when I look at them, I don't look at them being like, these are my teeny tiny jeans from my dieting days. I look at them and see all the places that I went and I feel really silly. The thing is they, they mean something to me that's not actually the clothes. Yeah. And that's, like dig into why you're holding on to clothes. Cause if you're mm. holding on to them for literally physical attributes, like I must fit in them to be happy, reassess that because that's not serving you. But if you're holding on to them because they've got that like emotional fun, if it's fun, 
if you're looking at them with fun and not feeling a place of deprivation, like they're okay to keep because I've, you might've heard someone go, but I don't want to throw out my clothes. And it's like, you don't have to, like, it's, you don't have to, but what's influencing these decisions? Is it fear of change or is it just reflection? Yeah. Again, it comes back to what is and isn't serving you. So it's mm. holding on to these clothes serving you because they are reminding you of all these fantastic memories and bringing back all of it for you or is it purely because like you said you need to fit into them to for happiness or whatever like if Mm. if that's the case then these clothes aren't serving you by sitting in your wardrobe if it's the other like I mean underneath my bed they're they're an anchor that's the thing like if yeah we know we need to gain weight in HA like it's it's probably the most definite thing that we've got (laughs) Like it, it has to happen and it could happen a little bit. It could happen a lot. It's your body. Your body will choose. And that's the other thing. Like your body will choose. Mm. You can't trick it. It knows what it needs and it knows what it wants. Um, but yeah, if you're thinking that, you know, life can't be fulfilling without that shape, it's like your shape changing is your trophy. Like that's rather than seeing your weight changing as losing out on your past life, it's like that the goal you set that's a side effect. So if you get that side effect, like you're doing a really good job and it's shifting the focus. Like this is actually a reward. This is a good thing. This is a sign you are eating more and you're training less. Like good job. A hundred percent. And like, that's such a big part of HA recovery is switching perspective on almost everything. Because once you switch your perspective in HA recovery, it's definitely easier to lean into the process and let your body do what it needs to do. And I do believe the last thing I had to really, really learn in order to recover was just to let my body be, let go of all control. Gain. I gained more weight after my first recovery period, but I needed to, you know, I needed to just literally. Chooses. Exactly. And I think if I can steer it back, to what we were talking about earlier you know I got these comments from a loved one because they thought that I had somehow gotten into my head that more weight equals faster recovery Mm. and I was trying to explain to them that I didn't want to put on all of this weight if I had a choice I wouldn't have done it you know like I can't just I had comments like well why don't you just maintain your weight and I was like I can maintain my I know. Once again, once you have your doctor's degree, then I'll say <laughs> But like, I was like, I will maintain my weight when my body is ready. I do not have a say over my body right now. You know, I held on to control of my body for 10 or so years, but now it's my body's, my body's opportunity to call the shots. It's my body's turn mm-hmm. to dictate. And the thing is, you said that's enough. a HA world. And whether they feel resistance towards it or not, they will understand what you're saying on this whole, like your body will choose. But if you say that to somebody who's not in HA world or even an eating disorder, like, cause you can, you can have a really horrible eating disorder and still keep your, your period and your fertility. And like, that's where I'm so grateful for my HA because like it made me correct things because it was like, well, lady, you don't have a choice. Um, but I, 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 my heart goes out to women that aren't in that position because it's like that my body, it's easy to make yourself think you're functioning fine because, well, I've got no indicators mm. and it's like, oh, anyway, that's, that's another topic I'll, I'll go off. Um, 
but the idea of uh, saying to someone, trust your body when they haven't experienced anything where they need to trust because everything we're told and I had the, who was I speaking with? The pregnancy RD? Mm-hmm. I think, yes, yes, yes. And um, we were talking about early days of dieting, how we had the meat, not, they weren't memes, like motivational dieting quotes on our phone that was like, um, that's not your stomach growling, like you're telling yourself you're hungry, you are not, or, um, you know, the weak eat and the strong fast or like those really and I remember, Savage. yeah, and I remember reading those being like, yes, like, oh, I'm s- savage. I'm just going to not eat and get shredded. And it was a real motivating thing for me. And I, I look back now and it's like people might not have had the weight loss journey, but at some point in time, they have been exposed to the idea that you can't trust your hunger. You can't trust your body to do what it needs to do. Like you need to manipulate everything. You need to manipulate the food. You need to manipulate the exercise, your sleep schedule. And don't get me wrong, people that have even always been overweight are still subjected to these messages, right? And sometimes that can be their resistance is because there's so much in their face about don't eat that their protection mode is, well, I must keep eating because there might be a day where I decide to not eat. Like we we work very, we're very complicated creatures. Um But I guess what I'm linking back to is for so long, regardless of whether you took action on it or not, there has been a small period or a long period of time where you have been told your body cannot be trusted. You do not know when you're hungry. Oh, that's it. Are you sure you're hungry? You're probably just thirsty. Yeah, go drink some water. Go drink some water. And it's like, yeah, well, if you drink enough water, your tummy will be pretty full and you'll feel sick. But I'm... You, you're kind of just nodding off your hunger cue or go have a coffee and you won't feel hungry anymore. Mm. And so, yeah, it's like people, it's so easy for people to, to have all these judgments and comments regardless of their life because in some way, shape or form, they've been fed this don't trust the body. Like don't trust it because trusting it means weight gain. Trusting mm. it means high cholesterol and visceral fat and like it, it's such a weird thing. And I'm going to link it back into when we're born, which is we are so we are born to be so in tune with our body. Like we know exactly when we're hungry. We know exactly when we need to sleep. Like, well, it might be a little bit tricky to get to sleep, but for the most part. Um, but, and if you speak to most adults about children's ability to judge their hunger or need to run laps or just sit down for a little bit, they're they're very in tune with it they know when they can run around the oval they know when they need to sit down and just do some coloring in and no one questions it if anything people go oh they've run out of gas they're they're going to draw for a little bit now because they know they're tired or oh look they just ate five minutes ago they're hungry again how funny is that crazy appetite that kid but no one does like it's it's all okay what happened like when does it when does it turn? And even the idea of growth, we watch kids grow and go, oh my gosh, they're getting so big and strong. And it's such a positive. You're getting so big. Mm. Yay. But it's something happens and I don't know how, and I don't know where, and I don't know why, but suddenly growth 
isn't good and your body can't be trusted it it baffles me yeah and it you know probably a large reason where we lose that is the fact that diet culture gets to make millions and millions and millions of dollars about making us feel like our bodies are somehow not good enough as they are you know and like I think that kind of transition for a lot of us happens when we're in our teenage years and not being, and this is a whole nother minefield, but not being educated on why our body changes through puberty. Cause I don't know what your experience is like, but you know, I was never really properly educated on why women will gain more fat and men will gain more muscle. Like never. And like, if I, that's the missing link, to be honest, is just pure education at, you know, an earlier enough stage. So that way, you know, you intervene then to prevent mm. these sorts of things happening later on in life, because prevention is always better than trying to cure something. I mean, I'm really grateful that I went through HA recovery as you probably are as well. Oh, because, absolutely. Like, and for 100%, anyone sitting, it's... and for anyone listening right now, going through HA recovery, they're probably like, these women are crazy, but <laughs> everything happens for a reason. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, and if you spoke to us in the middle of trying to get our period back, we wouldn't be so happy about it. <laughs> like it's no. grueling. But that's the dumb, thing. But it's... we all have to go, like not all of us, but everyone that's diagnosed with HA, if you want to get your period back, we all have to go through it. The only way to get to where you want to go is through, you know, you've got to sit with the uncomfortable feelings. You've got to sit with the comments and let them roll off your back and decide, make the choice, like you said, of where to go, because it is your choice. You have a choice over your actions, your feelings, your thoughts, your behaviors. You have, you, and I think that's one of the things that I really learned in recovery is I did have this choice and always have choice and at the end of the day you really have to put yourself first because regardless of where you end up or who you end up with in life you're always going to have yourself and you need to be your you need to be your best friend you need to treat yourself like your best friend and I think that you know, that's more radical than self-love or self-acceptance it's just being your own friend just start with that. Don't worry about loving yourself every day or accepting yourself every day, but being a friend to yourself can make a world of difference to your HA recovery. And, you know, when I had all those comments thrown back at me at the start of this year, essentially, you know, I had to be my friend and I had to talk to myself like my friend and tell myself it was going to be okay. And that we are doing the right thing and that I believe in you and let's keep moving forward because we haven't come this far purely to come this far. So, yeah. Now you're, you're dropping some truth bombs, lady. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything that you just said. And I, I totally resonate and relate to all of it. Um, I was just thinking about the, like the idea of famil- familiarity. I always find that tricky to say. Um, but if you think about, you know, our, our, it's, it is common knowledge that we like to do things that are familiar. We like to be in environments that are familiar. And I, you know, part of exposure therapy with fear foods and things like that is just having it often not to gain weight. It's just to not be afraid of it. Right. And HA actually is like a massive, it, it the journey in a nutshell is just that because you've learned all of these behaviors and and ways of living and thought processes 
and I'm I probably sound like I'm going sideways but you brought up the like the choose again right and and that's what HA recovery is it's like every day you have the opportunity like no one's making you recover and if you feel pressured you need to reassess your motivations because I you need it you need to want it or maybe you want it for your partner like for me a big motivator was my husband suggesting kids I I needed that though because I never saw myself alone as enough but I was enough when I had his input and things are different now like I still value his input and his love like no other but I'm also a big advocate for myself um and that's that's an invaluable thing like you you can't learn that other than walking through the mud, right? And then you find yourself and it's great. But I just, Marissa Peer, have you ever watched her stuff on YouTube? No, I don't think I have. Oh, she's wonderful. She's a psychologist and she's helped a lot of women with um, bulimia and eating disorders and infertility for all kinds of reasons. And um, she speaks a lot about familiarity. And she just made the comment of, you know, when you're a toddler potty training, that's not familiar, but, you know, we all grow up to use a toilet and it's a little bit funny and it's not funny if you're in the crux of these things. I get that. But at the core, it is a learning process. And if you can look at your HA recovery, even in 24 hour blocks, rather than I need to do this forever, like imagine just waking up and going just for today, I'm going to act like someone who has a period. I'm going to act like someone who doesn't have an eating disorder just for today and then reflect on that and then wake up in the morning and go just for today I'm going to eat freely like just just for today that's it you're just choosing today until they start to link together and then finally you've got this abundance of practice and suddenly it's a learnt skill it's a learnt behavior um and I guess for women listening to this, that maybe this could be an aha moment for you. It's like you couldn't always ride a bike. You couldn't always write. You couldn't always read, but you kept practicing. And this is, this is practice. Every day you're going to wake up and go, I'm going to practice being kind to myself. I'm going to practice rest. I'm going to practice eating food I feel like. Not boring, dull food. Something that I feel like. What does it what does that even feel like to know what I feel like? Like that, in, that ex, it needs exploration. I love everything you just said. And something that came up in a conversation I had with someone recently was when you first started your, when you first started your very first diet or you first started getting into the gym, was it easy? Was it difficult? Did you feel uncomfortable? Did, was it trying? Did you slip up a few times and fall off the wagon? Um, yeah, probably. So yeah, absolutely. HA recovery is Same. no different, you know? And I think for a lot of us, we're an all or nothing perfectionist kind of personality. Usually is a trend for women that end up with HA. I'm not saying everyone, but I've definitely seen it more times than not. <laughs> anyone and watching think, the YouTube, Elise has the best grin right now. Sorry, anyone listening and not watching. It's like I'm just describing like, myself. Like just saying we've uh, got some perfectionism mm. in the room. <laughs> you know, and that's something that I still battle with, you know, every other day or so. And that's a, that's a learning curve for me. That's probably always going to be a learning curve. But I think what you said is it's so perfect because it's not 
an all or nothing. Like you don't have to wake up the next day and change every little aspect of your life to better serve recovery. Start small because it's those small steps put together that are going to make real progress. But if you stand still, you're never going to move anywhere physically, mentally, or emotionally. And ask yourself a year from now, where do you want to be? Do you still want to be in the same spot? Or do you want to have all of this growth behind you? You know, like I remember saying to myself, I only want to do this once. So I'm going to do it right, which then became, I'm going to do it the best that I can do. Because HA recovery is not something you can get wrong. It's not something you can get right. Um, It's just something that you can work out in 24 hour periods, you know, wake up and decide what can I do today that's going to serve me in recovery. A lot of my questioning during those really early days of recovery, when it was all really foreign to me was, is this going to serve me and where I want to go? And if the answer was no, I worked at getting rid of it. So whether that was food rules or clothes or the need to do a hit workout, whatever it was, you know, just ask yourself, is this going to serve me in the long run? From point A to point B, is it going to serve me in getting there? And if the answer is no, then you have your answer. Yeah, and and that's a great example because the attachments you've got to training and and dieting for the most part are linked to the goal of weight loss or athletic performance or, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. But if you can connect the dots of like what will serve me for my HA recovery, I actually had this chat the other day with a client. It's like that's, that's your new training protocol. It's like, okay, how can I, the marathon of HA, like, how can I achieve that? How can I get my best time? And the best time you're going to get is by honoring yourself quick, which is resting, eating, and just having that self-compassion. Because as we sort of mentioned earlier, there is some self-loathing that can sneak in and be a real disruptor and identifying those things and just getting onto them straight away will will really help the process. I'm just reflecting on our conversation, like, oh my goodness, I feel like we've covered so many things. We started so off with much. your experience of um of someone commenting on your weight, and then we've led here. And oh, I don't know, could you say sort of in a nutshell, that's that's kind of why HA and eating disorder recovery is complicated? Because like look at where we started with that experience. And it and it, everything we've discussed is still valid to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And yet we've covered emotions, physical body, goals, setting boundaries, people's opinions, our own opinions. And I don't know, it's like that. It's just such a multifaceted recovery that I guess that's why you just can't blink your way through it, can you? No, not at all. And I mean, for the people that probably, there are people that could just eat more, exercise less and get their periods back but if you I truly truly believe if you don't take the time to work on the psychological and the emotional side of recovery there's a really good chance you're going to get your third period and you're going to run back in the other direction and you're going to probably lose it again or have irregular cycles you know because you haven't taken the time to rewire what could be decades and decades of dieting um Actually, I've got one more question for you because it it just links really heavily into what you just said Mm -hmm. because we've 
you've got women with so many different experiences. Like for me, I was half in for 11 months, all in for four weeks. And um, I never like to glorify the whole, oh, I was all in for four weeks because no, no, I was hard. Like there was 11 months of struggle and working things out. And then that four weeks, things sort of come together and fell into play because like sales pitchy buys, oh, four weeks and I was done. And that, that can happen for some women. And I'm, and I'm like, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm wrapped for them. But the thing is over that time frame, you have, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Over that time frame, you had all those obstacles and changes and I've lost it. I will say something while you go. Of- please do. <laughs> You know, like I'm really grateful that we've had this conversation because it is it is really the first time that I've spoken openly about the comments that that had been made about my body and my journey. And I sometimes feel like because I was only, I made that decision to recover almost instantly. You know, I found out about HA the next day I cancelled my membership. Eight weeks later, less than eight weeks later, I had my first recovery period and it was so exciting. But now I'm at this point in recovery and I'm like, wow, that was really quick. Like on average, that was really quick. And it almost, I don't want to say it makes me feel guilty, but sometimes it does because I can't relate to being half in for 11 months like you did. Right. Mm -hmm. And then finally getting to that point that you would have gotten to, and it was probably like a hard moment or like, I'm just going to pull the trigger and go all in and your body thanked you for it pretty quickly. And that's really what happens with a lot of, a lot of women's experiences. You've reminded me. Keep I going thought though. I would have. I, I thought I would have. Um, I kind of was picking up what you were putting down and I was like, if I speak about <laughs> I this. I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just to kind of finish off, like I, I'm really glad that I've been able to speak about this because I don't want people to look at my recovery journey and just think that it was over with so quickly like everyone has their own obstacles and road bumps and I definitely had my fair share of them even though my recovery was kind of like a really condensed fast forward version of recovery when you look at other different experiences doesn't mean that the experiences I had weren't challenging or weren't valid no and I Thank you for reminding me. I don't know. It's happened twice today. I'm so sorry for anyone listening or watching. I hate it when I just have brain fades and I don't even know why it happened. But what I was um, going to suggest, because I said my half half in 11 months, all in four weeks, and then yours was a more condensed time frame. And what I'm about to say may ring alarm bells for some people, but I'm actually grateful for how long it took me to get my period back. And no, absolutely not. I would not have said that at the time. But when I look back now, because earlier you mentioned, you know, when this experience come to you, you questioned reverting back. You questioned that. By the time I got my period back, I had spent so much time in this new way of living that, Look, I'm not going to lie. I still had weight loss goals. By the time I got to that size, I was still stuck in the, but once you get your period back, you can lose weight again. Like full disclosure, that, that was my thought process. It went pretty quick, but I did have that time. But I also, one of my biggest motivating factors was to stick to the path was because I, I did have so much practice at living a life where even though I was half in and I was training, I was training three times a week, Right. And I didn't enjoy it because I couldn't challenge myself like I used to because it was a very reduced protocol. 
but I learned to appreciate that it was nice to only spend say three hours in the gym and I actually like having the time to go out for a coffee and okay I actually like being able to go to a social event and not me need to pre-plan my dinner and you know all, all of the things that we're pretty familiar with but I actually look at the longer HR recovery period almost as a saving grace because when I got given the scenarios where I questioned like relapsing like is this worth it I had enough I guess ammo to go okay look this isn't the comfiest place you've been in like physically you're not comfortable but emotionally like you can recognize you're pretty happy here like life feels pretty good here and linking it into your story as you said you you recovered quite quickly so when you had this scenario be put forward to you you had less practice right so no matter what it's always going to be confronting I'm not dismissing that for a second but you had less practice meaning more leeway to go done with this I'm going to go back to older lease um and I, I just love to hear your thoughts on on that because a lot of women sort of say of course like I just want to get my period back like now and I, I get it because it's so frustrating but the thing is your body making you live it for longer can actually be the nicest blessing in disguise that you won't see until later because it forces you to explore this new way of living because you don't have a choice like you've committed to HA recovery not every day is perfect but like you've set the goal you're going to do it and just practicing that new lifestyle I just found so important for the times where you question things whether it be from a comment or seeing a photo where you've got a, a puffy face or putting on a dress that's too snug or it's like oh you know what as much as I think I want that life I just like this life better yes and I agree with everything you said and I think by us almost comparing our journeys without judgment, obviously, has just shows and highlights the fact that neither like neither style of recovery is better or worse than the other. Mm-hmm. It's just what suits you. And it just really highlights the point that everyone's recovery journey is so completely different. But I think something that like, stuck out with what you were saying um, is that you can physically recover and mentally recover at completely different rates. Mm -hmm. So although I was almost at the finish line for physical recovery, I had a long way to go in terms of my mental, the psychological side of recovery. And I needed that hiccup. I needed those comments to really test me and solidify the behaviors and the mindset that I had been working on for the last, you know, five months at that point four or five months at that point so yeah I think that's probably my thoughts on it is it just you can't recover mentally and physically at the same rate you know it's always going to be a bit staggered and sometimes you recover physically faster than you will um, mentally and Mm. you still need to see recovery through even though you may have three or four periods you know I didn't return to exercise until after my fourth because I wasn't mentally ready to take that on yet And I was starting to listen to my body about it. And that's just kind of another example of how, yes, I recovered quite quickly physically, um, but mentally I really had to take the time and work on these new, you know, neural pathways and solidifying these healthy habits um, and thoughts 
So in a nutshell, would you say, I guess, to sort of round off our huge conversation, um, we've got the blanket, like get your period back. That's what our goal starts off as being. But if we were to take our experiences as strengths, all kinds of experiences, and also we've spoken to heaps of women currently going through HA, recovered from HA, pregnant, like we talk a lot. Um, Would you say that if we were to actually have like the checklist of success, the the goal list, a, a chart with stickers on it, that there would actually be, all right, yes, we do have a period. That's one. Um, food freedom. And I don't mean that as in like you're not afraid of food. I mean that as in like you can actually just walk into a room, see food and go, what do I feel like? Because there's that guilt of, oh, but I do feel like salad, but I shouldn't eat salad because I've been told I shouldn't eat salad anymore. But this this once you've recovered, yeah, so we're not trying to get a period back. But having the confidence to go, no, I'm choosing the burger or the salad, chocolate or the apple purely because it's just what I feel like. That's what I feel like. Then you've got the body acceptance side of things. And I'm just going to say acceptance because we've done podcasts before. It's like, it's okay to not love yourself every day. But for the most part, you're proud of yourself. Like you are proud of the body you're rocking. And then I guess if there was to be a last one, it would be being able to honor yourself, not only health-wise, but like setting those boundaries and going, it's okay to put first what I need and what I want rather than spreading myself thin, as we spoke about earlier, and trying to please everyone else. Like part of HA recovery is actually learning I need to do what is good for me. Would you, like, if we were to have like a a list, is there anything you'd change? Is there something you'd add in? What are your thoughts? I think you pretty much covered it all because it, you know, for anyone listening at this point, you kind of pick up the idea that it's not just about getting your period back. There is a whole other side to life and to recovery that you don't even, you don't even know at the beginning, you know, Danny Sheriff, she said something so powerful the other day. And it's like, I will never forget this because it just really hit home. The person you are at the beginning of recovery, it's not the same person that finishes recovery. Mm. So whatever you're fearing, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're going through, or however you're feeling, like the person at the end of recovery has gone through that and they are a different person because of that, you know? And I think the way you put that, you know, checklist, we all love lists, don't we? We all have like little goals to check off, but like, it's so true because, you know, you, there's, and there's more ways to measure recovery progress than just seeing red, than just seeing a period. You know, if you are, if you are, healing your relationship with food and with exercise and with yourself like they're huge achievements regardless if your period's here or not you know and I think that's really important for people that sit in recovery longer than I did to understand and to recognize because you should be proud of how far you've come already and stop being so fearful of how far is yet to go because you don't really know how far is yet to go you can only reflect on now, I was going to say, I love you just mentioned exercise because funnily enough, I didn't put an exercise dot point, but if you can see exercise as purely a choice as to what you enjoy 
and what you don't enjoy dependent on the day, that's on the list too. Like if you wake up and go, hey, I can't, I can't wait to do a weight session day. Like that's that's totally cool. But if you've got the like I have to, mm. we need we need some work. Like every, everything should feel like an exciting choice. Yes. And kind of just to round it off, I remember when I got my third period and it's like, yeah, woo, I'm recovered. I did a little bit of self-reflecting, which I've become very good at doing. <laughs> Anyone going through HA recovery, you will become a very good self-reflector. You get to know yourself really well. Incredibly well. Like it's almost scary sometimes, um, <laughs> but in a good way. I got my third period and I was like, yes, I'm recovered. But then I really sat and thought about what does fully recovered mean to me? And that could be different to what it means to you. It is so unique. So I have this idea of what full recovery looks like for me and I'm not quite quite there yet. And that's fine. I'm probably maybe three months off of it or whatever, but I have an idea of what my life looks like in terms of my social life, my work life, my study life, my relationships, um, you know, my exercise, like my exercise routine, my eating habits, like all that, like it's a holistic picture of what recovery looks like. And I'm still working towards getting there, even though I've had 11 periods and I've been, you know, in recovery for over a year now, because I do think that recovery is just like we said recovery is just not the physical side there's also all of these other things that tie into recovery that I didn't even know I had a problem with you know to without going on such a big tangent because I know we should wrap it up but like I didn't know I had a terrible relationship with food I didn't know my relationship with exercise was horrible I thought it was normal but when I started to go through recovery, I started to see all of I started to see all of my own red flags. And I just thought, wow, like there is actually so much more to life than what I was living. And I think that just kind of ties into what I view as being fully recovered is for me. Yeah. And just um wasted about like you didn't recognize the behaviors, because that that's a really key thing for like those initial changes at the start of like training less eating more is because the original decisions that led you to train excessively or diet did come from a place of care like you were probably trying to be your healthiest self or your fittest self like it, it was a place of love at the start but you know it you turn into a bad relationship and it's time to break up but that's where that self-reflection is so important because it's like until you do like a full audit on this relationship you don't actually realize the love's been lost um, and then obviously you find love again because it's like, oh, there's this new lifestyle that I'm exploring and it's fun and it's exciting. And like, I'm motivated to do it the more I continue to explore. Um, so no, I think that was a really beautiful way that you just finished it off. And also the goals outside of HA, just to reflect on that, like this isn't forever and you're not broken and you're not damaged and you can go back to all the things you love. But the thing is, by the time you get to, Mm-hmm. a good place because it's a never-ending journey really like it's always evolving what you want right now might not actually be what you want later like I still always think I can't go back to training like two three hours a day and the recovered jade I still love training I do I don't want to train two three hours a day like I I just don't um I could 
like if there was something special happening and someone said, oh, let's just do, I, I probably would join because I'd find it fun, but I don't want to do it every day. Um, but just to like link to how Danny said that quote to you, like the person you are when you start isn't the person you finish. That's what rang true to me as you said it. I'm like, yeah, everything I thought I wanted or needed to be happy, I, I, I was so disillusioned. Like I didn't know and that's okay. But you're amazing and Thank I'm going to stop waffling and I'm <laughs> so grateful to you for sharing that experience because as a result of that, we've covered some um, really detrimental ground, I think, especially on the, it's so much more than a period. Um, and I guess those staples of recovery. And I really like how, like just discussing your experiences, we could sort of shift perspectives to obviously what it feels like to be in those shoes. Mm-hmm. It feels like from the power of hindsight and also what fuels the people who make these judgments. Um, yeah. So like all in all, as always, I just, I love chatting to you. I'm so grateful you come on at your period PT. I'll put the links in the show notes. And if anyone watching or listening, if you could like subscribe or share, um, the more people we reach, the more we can get word out and have everyone living happier, healthier lives. Thanks so much for listening in on today's episode. I hope you loved it. And as always, I have left our guest contact details in the show notes, as well as my own and some links to some free downloads. Um, If you could share this episode or the podcast with someone else who you think would love it, that would be amazing. And in the meantime, I hope you have a fabulous week and I look forward to you tuning into the next episode.